Hey everybody, this is Warren Sharp, NFL analyst over at Sharp Football Analysis. I want to welcome you to the Ringer Gambling Show. Join me on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays each week during the NFL season with guests Chris Vernon, Ben Solak, and Joe House to guide you through the NFL betting landscape. We'll be talking spreads, game totals, parlays, player props, futures, and much, much more. Be sure to follow the Ringer Gambling Show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. The MLB season is in full swing, and you can step up to the plate with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filtered by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, Bet the live same-game parlays for every MLB game and track your game and bets live with box scores and play-by-play. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21+, plus, 18+, plus in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem, call 100 Gambler or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. baby welcome in it is a jam-packed football friday edition of new york new york with yours truly jj johnson stremsky right here on the ringer podcast network and before we get to thursday night football before we get to our little excursion out to madison square garden last night how in god's name is joe flacco starting a quarterback for the new york jets i saw that news wednesday Popped up on my Twitter timeline. I'm on a golf course. I I almost dropped my phone. I almost spit up the coffee that was in my mouth. The Jets three weeks ago were in Mike White euphoria. He's capable. He's competent. He's confident. Um, Who knows what's going to happen? I mean, that was basically the word choice of Jet head coach Robert Sala. That is what you heard a couple weeks ago. He has a terrible game against the top five defense. The Buffalo Bills are probably a top five defense. They're clearly one of the best teams within the AFC. He's physically able to play, and yet he's not starting on Sunday. Why is that possible? How is that possible? I have a couple of theories on this as the Jets get ready for my beloved Miami Dolphins. Zach Wilson, they want to give another week. Maybe he's not medically right. Maybe they don't want to throw him out immediately to see the zero blitz look that the Dolphins threw the way of Lamar Jackson. Maybe they don't think, quite frankly, that he's ready to deal with that sort of coverage, with that sort of look. Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? But I think Jet Brass knows They want to get Wilson back on the field when you have the Texans on the schedule, when you have Jacksonville on the schedule, when you have 
Miami later on than a schedule. They want to get Wilson back on the field, as they should. I think their fear, and you could call me a conspiracy theorist, you could call me whatever the hell you want. They're afraid that if Mike White plays well on Sunday and he's efficient and he, you know, holds his own against Miami, whether they win the game, whether they lose the game, that's besides the point. He puts up points. He plays well. Then they have to answer the question of, well, what are we doing at quarterback next week? The controversy that they probably thought was, was over and done with after the Buffalo game is now back in the forefront. I don't want to hear the narrative that's out there. Oh, you gave up a six-round pick. This justifies it. Nonsense. Because clearly the Jets had no idea what they had in their backup quarterback to begin with. Number two, this narrative that, oh, you have Elijah Moore and that you have Michael Carter and that Joe Flacco is going to give you a, a, a better opportunity to see what those players are all about. I'm calling BS on that one, too, because Michael Carter had probably his best game when they played the Cincinnati Bengals a few weeks ago. Elijah Moore scored a touchdown last week. He's had a good game, efficient game, two weeks ago against the Colts. Take that narrative and stick it. Now, who the hell knows what's going to happen on Sunday? Listen, my team is not exactly the 85 Bears or the 2000 Baltimore Ravens, even though they have been coming together and they have looked a heck of a lot better the last few weeks. I'm not going to be stunned if the Jets win this game. My team is 3-7. and seven. But what Jeff Finn is going to feel good about the idea of seeing Joe Flacco under center and playing this game? It is mind-numbingly stupid and makes absolutely no sense. If Mike White is physically able to play, he should be out there on Sunday. Case closed. So that's a bad look for this coaching staff. It's a bad look for the New York Jets because it kind of gives off this sense of, we don't have a clue. I don't know if Robert Sala can coach, but I have to be perfectly frank. Last couple of weeks have scared me a lot. They scare me a lot. Like I see a quarterback situation bungled like this. I see a move like this and I'm starting to raise my eyebrows a little bit. So we'll see what kind of effort you get from the New York Jets after getting whooped by the Buffalo Bills. I think the effort will be a lot better, but is it good enough to beat a team like Miami that's owned them the last couple of years? You'll have to find out in old school, new school coming up a little bit later on in the show. Now, the boys and I were at the Nick game last night. Great night, all things considered, until, you know, the second half proceeded, basically. You know, it's good to be, first time I was back at Madison Square Garden since COVID. Place was rocking. There's a vibe in there. Selena Gomez. Uh, what's, the, what's the other rocker chick? Cara Delevingne. She was there. So I felt like, all right, the big wigs are there. A guy Noah from the ring was there. So it was a great crowd. A great who's who. And no, me and the boys are not towards that on Celebrity Row. Maybe I'll have to make that happen next year. But no, we were in good seats, but eh, not, not on Celebrity Row. Maybe the next time. Maybe the next time. I was livid. I was miserable. I was in a rotten mood leaving that building. So Rudy, on the other hand, was did. Me, on the other hand, I was sick. Because the Knicks, after falling behind basically by 8 to 10 points in the third quarter, rallied back with the second unit in the game. Alec Burks is hitting shots. Obi Toppin is giving you a ton of energy. Barrett, who couldn't hit a three all night, was playing really well with the second unit. Rose is doing his thing. Quickly's doing his thing. And all of a sudden, the Knicks take that deficit. And I want to say they built it to like a six or a seven point lead in Orlando called timeout. The minute they called timeout, I'm thinking the game is over. Now, all you need to know, Sir Rudy, who is Mr. Magic, basically said to the two of us, 
this game is cooked. Now, he might. So, Rudy, were you using the reverse jinx there? Be honest with me. Was there a reverse jinx in mind, or were you being perfectly honest with us? No, I mean, they had led for a, a significant chunk, especially the fourth quarter, and then you guys kind of came out. I think, did you go small? I forget. And you came out firing. You started hitting some threes, and you took the lead. And I'm like, Orlando doesn't have anything left. That's it. Like, you guys are going to just coast out and win probably. And you had, you know, you had the money line, right? You, you had the pick them. Well, I did. And I I'm thinking, you're, you're, I was you're like, you're going to win that. some money. Thanks for reminding me. And I've been ice cold the last couple of days. I lost the Falcons, which we'll get to in a minute. I have been ice, ice cold. I hopped on the Knicks, pick them when they were down eight. I said, screw it. I'm here. Let's have some fun. And I'm feeling good. I'm feeling really good. Tibbs, to me, made two big mistakes in this game. The first being he put Randall back in the game when Randall was a complete lost puppy. Forcing it way too much, shooting way too many threes. Playing terrible. Toppin was cooking. Let him play. Then, and our guy Stefan was all over this, they go to the small ball lineup at the end of the game, and Orlando was killing them down low and killed them on a couple of possessions. Two killers for the Knicks. And the bottom line is this. That's a bad loss last night. We know that the Eastern Conference is much improved. We know when you play at Madison Square Garden, you're going to get the road team's best. Guys get up to play at the Garden. Whether it's Terrence Ross, whether it's the Wagner brothers, they're gonna guys are gonna get up to play at MSG. I get that. Mobamba was bringing it, the local kid. No excuses. You cannot lose to the Orlando Magic twice in your own building. I'm sorry, that's just completely unacceptable. I wanted three for three this week. I'm not getting three for three, and the concerns around the Knicks are twofold. One. What do you do with this dynamic of your bench giving you such quality play and your starters not nearly doing the same sort of things? That's one. And two, you got to figure out Randall. I knew Randall wasn't going to be as good as he was last year, but Randall's taking a big step back. It's concerning. So I don't know if you got to just shake out the cobwebs. I don't know if it's a confidence deal, but the Knicks are going to need a much better version of Julius Randle if you want this to be, you know, a top six team within the Eastern Conference where you're avoiding the playing. But that was a bad, bad loss last night. The company was great. The garden is great. I, I plan on being at a couple more Nick games before the end of the year. But my goodness, that sucked. Losing the Magic at home sucked. And sorority was that. The two-hour drive to Connecticut was certainly worth his while. Now, I'll tell you what else put me in a salad. Th this Thursday night football game. And the, the Falcons stink. I mean, the Falcons, listen, they have four wins. Three of them are against our respective teams. The Jets, the Giants, and my beloved Dolphins. And the Giants should have beat them, and the Dolphins should have beat them. Atlanta couldn't block. They had no answers for New England on the front. Matt Ryan made terrible decisions. And the Patriots are just a really smart and a fundamentally sound team. Think about it for a minute. They have a kickoff specialist on the roster. Not many teams do. Their special teams are fabulous. Their winning field position. Their field goal kicker, Nick Falk, doesn't miss. I am in fantasy. Trust me on this. I love it. He does not miss. Their quality on special teams. They're stout on both lines. They run the football effectively. Judon is their best player and is an absolute beast and has been a major difference maker in free agency. The defense is top-notch. And listen, the quarterback is lunch pal. He doesn't screw it up. He's good in play action. 
He's accurate. He's efficient. He's not going to knock his socks off. He's not going to be Mahomes. But for what New England is looking for, he's perfect. They're dangerous. They're 7-4, and four, and they're super dangerous. Now, dangerous enough to win the AFCs? We're going to find out when they play the Buffalo Bills. But I hope you enjoyed your 2020 hiatus of the New England Patriots not being in the playoffs because they will be back. That is a that is a foregone conclusion. I knew that anyway over the last couple of weeks, but now it's official after this win and getting to 7-4. and four. So great. The New England Patriots continue to torture us and continue to find their way to the voodoo magic of Bill Belichick winning games. Not in great spirits. I need a Dolphin win on Sunday. Sorry, Jeff fans. I know you're not going to want to hear that. I'm going down there in a couple of weeks. I-, I want some false hope. I want some false optimism. That means I need the Dolphins to win this week and win next week against Carolina. Sorry. I might be kicking you when you're down, but I really don't care. In this case, uh, we, are, we are not exactly aligned. We might be with the Patriots. We are not in this particular show, in this particular podcast. We are loaded. Voicemails are coming up. I have not talked to Joe B since the Joe Flacco news. I thought about calling him yesterday. I said, no, nah, I'm going to wait for the podcast. Even when we got on the line, I basically didn't even want to talk about it. I said, no, shut up. Don't tell me a word. So the great Joe Beningo, Arthur Caesar, Jason Katz, our usual suspects, all that and more. We'll come right back. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there, just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive, or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. All right, folks, voicemail time, 917-382-1151, in case you're wondering how to do this. And if you're trying to figure out the voicemail process, I mean, let's let's get with the times, let's get with the program. But a couple of programming notes before we hit voicemails. Normal show Sunday night, right after all the football. Monday, if you want to come hang with the New York, New York crew, catch in Astoria. It's a great bar. I used to watch a lot of football there back in the day when Kate lived in Astoria. Like when I would get booted out of the girls' apartment, like that was always, you know, funny story. When I first started dating Kate, she knew I was a Dolphin fan. So like, she'd be like, all right, you got to watch the Dolphin game. And then at like four o'clock, she'd be like, well, the Dolphin game's over. You have more football watch? I'm like, yeah, that's, that's kind of how this works. It's like an 11 hour day. Like, it's the life you've chosen, huh? I'm sorry. It is what it is. Neither here nor there. I'm over one Sunday, and I was in a hissy mood because the Dolphins lost to the Jets. Fitzpatrick went off. I mean, he's throwing a Decker. He's throwing a Marshall. I, I was in a rotten mood, and I had money on the Steelers, 4 o'clock game. And I'm watching. I'm dialed in. I'm not working Sunday night, so I'm definitely having a couple of pops in the apartment. And I could tell I'm getting, like, the death stare from the girls who live in here because I am like just full-fledged 
feet out, drinking beers, watching football, making noise, hooting and hollering the whole deal. They don't say anything, but I could tell there's a little uneasiness. Kate kind of gave me the look. She goes, can you, can you go to the bar? Can you get the hell out of here? I'm like, all right, fine. So I go to catch. I have wing sauce all over my face. It snowed. And I'll vividly remember, that was the day Tomlin coached one of the weirdest games you're ever going to see. Went for two, like four or five times. Seattle ended up covering. I was sick. They covered with like a minute and a half to go on like a Russell Wilson bomb. I was in a rotten mood until I bet Brock Osweiler and the Broncos to beat the Patriots outright on Sunday Night Football. So it was a wide range of emotions and a whole lot of beverages consumed. But why do I bring that up? Catching the story is great. We're going to do the show there before the game. We're going to hang for Monday Night Football. So if you're in the area, come hang. Come say hello. We'll be rocking and rolling. And we'll figure out what we're betting on Monday. Because I'm not playing that in the Super Contest. Just so you know. Then we'll have our pot up Wednesday for the weekend. So we're shortening the schedule a little bit. We're really not. Actually, we're technically doing three shows this week. Because Monday we'll have a green room up. It will be posted. And early on Wednesday we'll have the... Football Friday Thanksgiving pod. And then we're going to enjoy the Thanksgiving holiday and come back on Sunday. So I'm glad we got that covered. You guys are loyal listeners in New York, New York. So you got to know when we're doing shows. Sunday, Monday Green Room, and a catch. So come hang a catch, have a few beers, have some wings. And then Wednesday, and then enjoy some turkey. And the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Hopefully we'll see Snoopy. Voicemail time. Now that I've gone off on that little tangent, that's what we do. All right, what do we got? Hey, John, Justin in Miami. You know, obviously, pretty inexcusable loss for the Knicks to get swept by Orlando at home. I don't even honestly know what to say. Um, I was in favor of getting rid of Bullock and Payton because I agree this team had a hard cap. You had to be willing to give up some of the defense to get some more offensive firepower. But the problem right now is twofold. Really, we're not getting that offensive firepower and we're getting the expected defensive regression. So it'd be one thing if Kemba and Fournier, we had this, you know, enhanced offensive unit, but we don't. And then really the other elephant in the room here is Julius Randle's just been bad. And, you know, you have to ask yourself, that contract which they gave him, that was a very good contract for the Knicks, provided that he. I don't want to say even did what he did last year, but it was something was comparable. But if he's going to play like this, that's going to be a bad contract. Um, and, and it kind of is an issue for them because they're sort of stuck with him. You know, you got it. I don't really know what uh, what they can do here other than just hope to keep battling. I mean, they are eight and seven, although I feel like it's a very deceiving eight and seven because the schedule's been light. I mean, there's no reason they couldn't be ten and five or eleven and maybe even eleven and four. Um, I don't know, man. Doesn't look pretty good. Doesn't look good at this point. Hope, hope they can turn it around. But. I understand your concern about Julius Randle. And that was the concern basically when the Knicks gave him the long-term deal. They had to do it. They had to reward somebody who was a flat-out beast for them and was the most improved player and was an all-star and deserved all the accolades. You needed play that's maybe not as good as it was last year, but pretty darn close. You're not getting that right about now. All you need to know about Randle is that I wanted on the bench Final couple of minutes of the game. That's all you needed to know. Number two, the Knicks were right to acknowledge they needed more offense. I know it's very easy to romanticize Reggie Bullock, and I, I, I cannot believe we're actually romanticizing Alfred Payton when every Knicks fan called me last year telling me this guy stinks, 
He doesn't belong on the floor. He's not an NBA player. And now, oh, because he started the game and played a little defense for two or three minutes, everybody loves him. Kemba Walker can play in small spurts. The end of these games, I want Rose on the floor. No argument there. Fournier, very hot and cold. And I don't love Fournier as a player. He can shoot it. He doesn't play a lick of defense. I think you will see those two guys get more and more comfortable as the season goes along. I totally understood the Knicks process and their logic into realizing we need more shooting, we need more offense. But so far, those two particular players have not delivered as advertised, at least as of yet. Who's next? What's up, JJ? It's Billy from Queens. I am back. Been extremely hesitant to call in given the uh, situation with Kyrie Irving driving me up a fucking wall. Um, you know, I know the Nets are in first place. It's great. But as I watch this team play, I, I just know that there is something missing. And it's obvious that the gaps that Kyrie and, and his nut job attitude are creating is going to be a problem for us when we get to the playoffs. So I've been going to bed every night thinking about this. I think that Kyrie for Ben Simmons would actually be a would actually be a great deal for both teams. Both teams are getting nothing out of these stars. They're both max players. And yes, they both are stars in the right situation. Even if Ben Simmons is given the net seventy percent, sixty percent of what Kyrie is giving them, that that would that would be enough to put us over the edge, I think. Yes, it's a gamble, but we're not Kyrie's not coming back this season. He's not coming back. He's too stubborn, and it's and it's absurd. When you put Ben in a situation where he's not he's not the B fiddle, but he's the C fiddle behind the leadership of James and Kevin, I think that he's going to play way better and produce even more offensively, and he would be enough to get us over the hump. I, I haven't heard any talk about this. And the Sixers said they want a star for him. So, boy, do we have one for you. Let me know what you think. Looking forward to seeing you at Catch on Monday. Go Nets. Go Yanks. Peace. You know, it's an interesting point. I don't think it will happen, but it would solve two teams' major, major headaches at this point in time. Irving is a major headache for the Nets. And you hear... On the broadcast, what was it, Tuesday in the Warrior Net game? Basically, everybody in the organization is like, look, we have to be of the mindset and of the assumption that he's not coming back. Yeah, you have to approach things that way if you're Brooklyn. Thankfully, they're off to a good start from their standpoint. They have not played particularly well against good teams. They've beaten up the bad teams. Durant has been an absolute monster. And you're kind of surviving the fact that Horton has not been at the top of his game so far this year. I can't see that happening. From a logic standpoint, sure. Um, Simmons, I don't love in this market, but I like Simmons in Brooklyn a heck of a lot more than I like him with the New York Knicks. Because, listen, when you're in Brooklyn, you can fly under the microscope. There's no doubt. You can. But remember, Kevin Durant came to Brooklyn in a package deal with Kyrie. He wanted to come here, but he wanted Kyrie along for the ride. That was his dude. That was his ride or die. I don't think he's willing to abandon that at least quite yet. So, decent logic, decent idea. Don't think it happens. And we'll see you catch on Monday. Well done. Who's next? 
What up, JJ? This is Jared in Jersey. Got to say, I'm very excited to see what Joe Flacco has to bring to the table on Sunday. And you couldn't tell that's sarcastic. But I got a question that I haven't seen asked or answered because the general manager doesn't speak, of course. But anyway, I got a question about the team. And that is, so the, the general manager and the organization clearly doesn't believe in Mike White because as soon as Wilson went down, they traded for Flacco. And as soon as they had an opportunity not to start Mike White, they go with Flacco on Sunday. So my question is, they clearly don't think the guy can play. Why did they go into the season with him as the backup quarterback? That I haven't seen asked anywhere. It doesn't make any sense to me. Even ignoring the, the veteran quarterback angle, they're back in quarterback with somebody they didn't think could play. Um, makes no sense. I was wondering your thoughts on that and uh, really can't wait to get blown out on Sunday yet again with a veteran quarterback now at the helm instead of a young guy who would actually bring a tad bit of excitement to the team. Anyway, later. Thanks for the call, Jared. I love you, buddy. I hope you're right on that prediction. I hope your team absolutely gets smoked on Sunday because it'll put me in a particularly good mood. That's number one. Number two, excellent observation. The Jets went into the year saying we don't need a veteran backup quarterback. They had the very unfortunate passing of their quarterback coach, Greg Knapp. Did that play a role? Maybe, maybe not. But they went in with Zach Wilson and all the young guys you had. It worked out. Mike White could play. I'm not saying he's a starter in this league. He could play. He was spunky. He won the Jets a game that I never in a million years thought he'd win. They didn't need to go and get Joe Flacco. So, yeah, they clearly didn't know what they had in White. And my theory on this is simple. They don't want White to play well. They got their out. Game against Buffalo. They know Wilson is close. They got their out. Because guess what? If Flacco plays well Sunday, it doesn't matter. There is no conversation. There is no controversy you know you're turning the reins back over to second overall pick. If White is like upstart, this like feel-good story, throws three touchdowns, 300 yards against the Dolphins, we got a conversation on our hands Monday, whether you like it or not. I don't think the Jets wanted any part of that. All right, we got two to go. So listen, it's Thursday night as I leave this voicemail, and I know at one point you said you loved the idea of Verlander to the Yankees. You and I discussed it. I want you to know that you should be happy that they didn't get him. Let him go to fucking Houston. Let that, you know, that, that to me is a PR thing because they know they're not bringing Correa back. So let him fucking give the fan base some, you know, bring back some sort of resemblance of the last championship team. But I'm going to tell you right now, dude, take the money that they would have wasted on Verlander, and that's exactly what it would have been, and give it to Seeger. And I love the idea of trading whoever they need to trade to get Olsen from the Athletics. I love that swing in Yankee Stadium. I love those numbers in Yankee Stadium. I like Rizzo. You know, Freeman just never happens, so stop. I like Rizzo a lot. I love the defense. I like the veteran leadership. I like the fact he was a winner. I like the fact that he could hit. But, the, you know, this kid's a little bit younger, actually a lot younger. To me, just as good as a defender. You know, strikes out. I get it. OPS over nine, and that swing in Yankee Stadium and for all the shit that Cashman gets for making the trades for the guys making a little less, this one I think makes sense. And the last one I saw, they're going to pack up Boyd to buy. Debbie Garcia, who maybe Oakland will figure out whatever his issues are, but could buy. And I know that nobody wants to part ways with these shortstops, 
But eventually someone's going to move to third base and you're only going to be able to play one of them anyway. So if you're going to keep, you know, the Jersey kid, you know, so be it, God bless. But, dude, if this postseason taught us anything, an excellent lineup can outslug a lot of these mediocre staffs because you don't have the dominant staffs that you used to. And the Yankees didn't have a fucking excellent lineup. He's plain and simple. So fucking build it up and go to war with it. Cole was hurt. It's not a fucking excuse. And it's just like we said on the WhatsApp chat with Matt Dodd and Cab, who roots for the Blue Jays now, and Computer and Fat Fuck Alex in Newark. And by the way, I think you should have a WhatsApp uh, J Room one night, but that's for another time. Maybe a WhatsApp J Room hot stove season preview. But build a fucking lineup that can outplug the rest of this mediocre pitching and go to war with it. So you know what? Fuck Verlander. Give me Seeger. Give me Olsen. And away we go. Anthony and Syosset doesn't even give his name. That's when you know he's starting to get to a status of clout here on New York, New York. He doesn't even drop his name anymore. It just comes out firing. Um, I wanted Verlander, $25 million a year for the next two years. So be it. He ends up going to Houston. I don't think it's the end of the world. I wanted him. It was a luxury. It was not a necessity. Anthony hit on something that I think is very important for the Yankee fans to understand. The biggest reason the Yankees underachieved in 2021 and the biggest reason they have not gotten to the top of the mountain the last few years, the lineup has not been good enough. It has not been good enough in postseason play. And the last two years, it has not been good enough in the regular season. Anthony, I got no problem with your offseason plan. I love Corey Seager. Now, I'm intrigued by Correa. I don't think they're going to sign Correa. I think Correa is going to the Tigers. He's got the relationship with A.J. Hinch. They got money to spend. They're looking for a marquee name to kind of jumpstart their rebuild. And they're much improved. They played really well last year, considering what the expectations were. Hinch is going to have that program turned around. I don't like him. I think he's a jerk, but he's a good manager. I think he's a really good manager. So I think Correa is going to be a Tiger. I think Seager's going to be a Yankee. And then I think it's either Olsen or Rizzo. I'm cool either way. If they go and make a trade for Olsen, it's terrific. Because I love him as a player. I think he's got the swing for Yankee Stadium. His defense is probably not as good as Anthony Rizzo's, but it's leaves and bounds better than Luke Voigt. Luke Voigt, goodbye, good riddance, take your muscles, and go somewhere else. Good feel-good story for the Yankees, but I'm done. It's time. Any, any Yankee fan who wants Luke Voigt back on the team is an idiot. I mean, let, let's just leave it at that, considering how many righty, all-or-nothing power hitters they have. So, good run. I miss you, Luke. Goodbye. So if you trade him for Olsen, great. If not, you re-sign Rizzo, you trade him somewhere else. Kansas City, wherever, just to get something back in return. I don't buy this report. First of all, I don't buy the, the, the baseball coverage in the Daily News currently leaves a lot to be desired. I mean, Disha does a good job. I like Disha. She does a good job. But like, as far as breaking stories, they, they haven't broken a story in baseball for years. They were. There was a point where the Daily News was the creme de la creme. But the, the, the John Harpers and the Anthony McCarrens, they were not walking through that door. You know what I mean? So they're not. I saw this story that came out of the Daily News today. Nobody else is running with it. And if the kid has it, God bless him. More power to him. I saw that. I basically said that's a whole lot to do about nothing. That, that, that's kind of my thought. I think the Yankees will absolutely be in on a big shortstop. Absolutely. And if I'm wrong, I'll own it. I'll give the kid credit. But I saw that story. I didn't give it a whole lot of attention. Truth be told. I like Seager. I like Olsen. And I'm intrigued by the idea of getting somebody who can play the outfield. Doesn't have to be Starling Marte, 
but somebody who can play the outfield. And I would look to trade Gallo in the offseason. I would dump him. I don't think he can handle New York. I don't need his 190 batting average. I would trade Gallo with a year left on his contract. But I don't run the New York Yankees, so what do I know? Last but not least, what do we got? JJ, Will in Brooklyn, Yankee question here. So this seems to be an unpopular opinion for some reason, but I want Gallo on the team next year. First of all, we're not paying a salary, technically. And I know he stunk up the joint when he came over from the Rangers, but there's a reason he was highly coveted in July, the trade back. There's a reason why Yankees fans went crazy when we got him, obviously got overshadowed when we got Rizzo the next day. And he can't get any worse than what he played the last couple months. He batted like 160. The highest he's ever batted was like 220. But even if we get that with like 35 bombs, which is very doable over the course of a full season at Yankee Stadium, you're getting a lot of value there. And again, on the cheap. Plus, if we try to trade him, who's going to take him? What are we going to get from him um, for the way he played the last couple of months? He's also a plus defender. He's sticking in left. He was excellent in the field, made a lot of great plays. And you don't need to bat him cleanup. You don't need to bat him fifth. You don't need a strikeout guy in the middle of the lineup. Put him seventh, let him break. And honestly, I think Yankee fans are going to accept 30, 35 home runs from Gallo next year. Um, would love to hear your thoughts. Thanks as always. We'll appreciate it. I couldn't disagree more. Joey Gallo hit 160 with the New York Yankees. He hit 199 in 2021. He hit 181 in 2020. This is a guy who's a career 206 batter. I think he's part of the problem. I understand your logic. I understand you're going to have to replace him. Replace him with a guy who's more contact-oriented. That's what I would look to do. And I think you will find a taker for Gallo. I do. Because I think there will be a team in desperate need of power. The war, the defense, the uh, all that mumbo-jumbo. That's fine. On base, Joey Gallo gets on base. I don't need a 160 batter in the Yankee lineup. And I think if Gallo plays well next year, if he plays well and has a good season, he's going to hit like 220 with like 45 bumps, which he could easily do. But I think when you get into the postseason, he's a guy you can pitch to. And if you're looking to win the whole thing, I don't need Joey Gallo's in my lineup. I don't. He's too flawed a hitter. I would cut bait. I would say, thanks for the memories. I'm going in a different direction. I don't think the Yankees will do that. I think they will let Gallo play out his contract. But there were actually people, and I'm not going to name names, but there were actually people in the New York media who had the audacity to say that Joey Gallo should replace Aaron Judge. I mean, holy, holy shit. You had that take? You're not watching the same baseball games that I'm watching. And I don't think I'm God's gift to watching baseball, but come on. You'd rather have Joey Gallo or Aaron Judge on your team for the next five years? Do yourself a favor. Take a hike. Please, take a hike. Uh, I can't wait to hear what Benigno has to say. I'm looking forward to this. Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco. Oh, the pain. He's up next. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? 
you take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. It's now time for week 11 old school, new school with the great Joe Beningo. And I saw him Monday. Hackensack Brewery was in rare form. He promised me a surprise. I am graced by the presence of the Mick himself, my dad's favorite all-time baseball player, switch hitter. Just for you, just for, just for Mr. Jastrzemski. Oklahoma's go. finest, the late, great go. Mickey Mantle. But That's Joe, right. the audience is dying to know because we have not had a conversation since yes. the news came out from Wednesday. Joe Flacco! What a disgrace. This franchise is a disgrace, bro. It really is. I, I mean, I, I don't get it. You know, we were talking a little bit off the air, and you made a great point, which I really hadn't thought of. I mean, my feeling was with Flacco, they're playing Flacco because they're desperate to win a game. I mean, let's be honest. They, they, they're brutal. They're as bad as any team in the NFL right now. And and to and to justify trading for this A six-round pick for him. See, I, mean, I well, think you know, that's more it than the idea that they're desperate to win a game. Here's why I don't buy that, though, Joe. They were telling us two weeks ago, this kid's the goods. This kid right, can play. Right, we have something right. to work with here. We beat Cincinnati. Right. He had a good first series against the Colts. So all of a sudden now, that all right. goes out the window because right. they played a top 100%. five defense and he played poorly. Let's not lose sight of the fact they gave up 45 points in back-to-back weeks. Let's not so forget let, about that. Let, let's also look at that game. They were down 24-3 to before he really started to come apart. I mean, you look at that game. They were that game was 10-3 with less than two minutes to go in the first half. And then the three, and then the head coach let Stefan Diggs just des- destroy them with single coverage by Eccles, who gets hurt, and then with Gidry. He he doesn't change to, you know, to maybe even go to Bryce Hall, his best cover corner, or at least double team him, some kind of, you know, something to slow Diggs down, and they just keep him out there in single coverage. You know, and then the other, Corey Davis, the overrated and overpaid wide receiver. I'm glad you're enjoying that contract put, right now. Putting the freaking ball on the ground. White, White, White makes a nice play on a third and 10. On a third and 10, late in the first half, down 14. He hits Davis for 27 yards to the 27-yard line, and the guy puts the ball on the ground. What, what is he supposed to do? You got a head coach that on a fourth and one, fourth and one from the 41-yard line, their 41-yard line, the Buffalo, doesn't call timeout and lets the play clock run out for a delay game, and they got a punt. Is that Mike White's fault? See, this is the kind of – and and you you made a good point. Tell me the point you said because I don't want well, to – Well, here's the point, and I said it early in the show, and I said it to you before we got started. We know they're rich in to get Wilson back on the field. That's inevitable. Okay. They want we the think. number two pick back on the field whenever he's ready. Right. He's not ready this week. Miami's got this, you know, zero blitz that they threw at Baltimore right. that all maybe of a sudden, they're afraid Miami, of. By the way, all of a sudden, Miami, you know, Miami's Bal- the 85 Bears. I mean, they have one good defensive game, and they shut down the Houston Texans, and this is 2,000 Baltimore and 85 Chicago. Meanwhile, they right. got torched right. by Jacksonville and Atlanta yep. and all these teams throughout the year. Neither here nor there. But they right. are clearly afraid of Wilson first game back going against that scheme. And my thought is, Joe, they're afraid Maybe. if White right. plays well, solves the riddle, 
And the Jets win this game 24-20, 21-17, whatever. Right. It's the idea of now we got to answer these questions again mm-hmm. in the media about who our quarterback is. I think conveniently, this regime is actually kind of relieved about the fact that that narrative and that storyline is now over and done with. I do. I believe that. But that's absolutely ridiculous to dump on this kid like that. You know, I mean, I, you know, but, but again, this is typical of an inept and a brutally run franchise starting at the top with one of the worst owners in sports with a guy that's more worried about playing games in London than he is about winning championships, that watches the teams in his division piss on him year in and year out. Bill Belichick calling the games against the Jets, their homecoming games. Buffalo freaking destroying them with the fans just, you know, invading MetLife last week. It's And, and you know the place is going to be packed with Dolphin fans. Oh, it's going to be packed. Mentally Dolphin fan in the world. Mentally prepared. I won't be the there, but there will be plenty. Yes, there will. Every Dolphin fan in the world says, okay, seven-game losing streak, now seven-game winning streak. I know. I mean, I understand. Not me. You know, be fair on that. Well, Not me. I, well you know, Not you do feel good about this game, though. Yes we'll get no. to that really, in a little bit. We'll get to right, that in a little bit. Right. Uh, I'm a little concerned of the kibosh hey, that Mickey you're trying again. to put on him immediately. Here we go. 536 career home runs. Here we go, right? Okay. All right. Triple crown in 1956. We could go on and on. How many world championships? I think he's got nine, ten, whatever the hell he has. Most home runs. Uh, well, actually, I guess he still does. Yeah, most home runs in World Series competition. I think it's still Mickey. In Pretty world amazing Series, considering he had all the legs of postseason play to deal with. Horseman or crap. <laughs> Give me a break. One of the greats of all time. The Mick. Before we do the picks. There it is. I'm dying to know your Ball thoughts. Facade, 1963 on, against Kansas. We got to get your thoughts, though. And I broke this thoughts. to you the other day. What? I broke this to you the other day. Your favorite, your boy, Rex Ryan, taking shots at your hey. current head coach. The current head coach's brother's going on Twitter. Now, no, I think no, it's I... personal. I think it's vicious with Rex. I think Rex wants this job. I think Rex is very vindictive towards the Jets. He has gone out of his way in media to go after the Jets. Whether he's right or wrong, he clearly has an right. axe to grind. Right. You know that. Look, I, t- I told you this. I would take Rex back with my coach in the name. I know you would. Get, let me get Rex back with Mr. T, with Tannenbaum, and let's go. That's the best coach-GM combination we've had, really. I mean, uh, you know, maybe since we Dubank was running both jobs. All right? So, I mean, I, I would take that in a freaking second. He, he would bring, bring an attitude back to this franchise. Guys played for him. Guys respected Rex. I would have a real deep. My defense wouldn't be giving up historic numbers, you know, uh, like they're doing right now like, in, in points. I, it's, it's, it's unbelievable bro, how bad it is. Speaking I of take bad. Rex a Give me Rex back now. I understand that. Speaking of bad, our picks. Bad. I go two and three last week. And you pick I up actually ground. gain a game on you, and now I lead the competition with Painful. a whopping record, might I add, of 21 right. and 29. I you go only got me by three. one game. Though. One, one game. game. It's Please. anybody's game as Any, we're going we got, into we week 11 and beyond. What do we got? Eight weeks to go. We and remember, not only do we have eight weeks to go, we got all the playoff games to pick. Oh, so we true. got plenty of time for you to make up some ground. Right. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to defer. I'm going to let you go first. I'm going to let you try to eradicate and wash away the terrible, terrible, terrible. week 10 and right. get after in week 11. So the floor is yours, Mr. Beningo. Bro, I'm going, I'm taking the Jaguars, getting six and a half at home against the Niners. Look, you know, you were giddy when we were at the thing the other night, Monday night, as you're watching the Niners just to destroy the Rams. I did. I, mean, I had a the, couple of bucks you know, on the Niners, full disclosure. Well, I did. How about the freaking Rams showing up for that game? They couldn't wait to get to their bye. Give me a break. So the Niners get this big win against the division rival. 
Now they go across the country to play the lousy Jaguars, except a couple things. The Jaguars, unlike my football team, are starting to improve. They have the win two weeks ago against Buffalo. They gave the Colts all they wanted. This is a team that the Jets they got a, you know, annihilated by, by the, by the Indianapolis Colts. At one point, the game was 42 to 10. They're down there, down three. You know, midway through the fourth quarter, the Jaguars, they wind up losing the game by 6-23-17. Very competitive against the Colts. This team is starting to play better. They got a decent defense. We saw what happened with Josh Allen against the other Josh Allen. Trevor's starting to play better. You're getting six and a half. I don't know about this, man. I mean, maybe the Niners win this game. I don't know. But I think the Niners come in, go into Jacksonville, uh, you know, a little, little full of themselves after the win over the Rams. And I think this is the place where they could get, get, uh, get bitten by the Jaguars. So give me the Jags plus six and a half at home against the Niners. Not going to hate the play. I think it's contrarian. I think it's sharp. I think it's the right side on the game. But that's not where I'm going to begin. Let's okay. get this out of the way, okay. Joe, right here, right now. I love the Dolphins laying three right. against your football team. I do. I think I Miami has found something here defensively. You could love the you, could love the you against my football uh, team. Speaking of Miami. Maybe. You know? I don't know if I'm willing to go that far. But I here's think Ohio like. State would give him trouble. Those wide receivers would beat up our secondary. Yeah, maybe right they would. Now. Maybe they would. But the Dolphin defense the last two weeks, terrific. Tua, fully healthy, ready to mm. rock and roll. Kasicki kills your team. He Didn't does. have He's a good. catch last week. That will not be the case on Sunday. And Joe Flacco played against Miami last year and got shut out 24 to nothing. So the narrative that he gives the team the best chance to win, nonsense. Now, I hate how public it is. I hate how obvious it is. But listen, if the Dolphins can't win this game, there's nothing to say the rest of the year. Well, let me say this. I'm laying the three. Get it done. Let me say this. I will give, I'm going to give a, 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 um, an extra impetus to your play is that I'm probably going to be at the game. And so well, do you also think that helps, helps or do you yeah, think that helps. hurts? I don't know. No, it helps you. That helps you. We'll, we'll see about you. that. We'll see I about keep that. putting that negative karma out there. By the way, I pray, let me say this too. The great Joey Yonkers looked this up for me. And God bless him. I pray, if I hear Spiro Didis is doing this game. He's not. Dead. I got news for you. It oh, is well, he's Greg not. Gumbel and Adam okay, Archuleta. Well, okay, you know what? I feel better already. If you're telling me Greg Gumbel's doing a game and not Spiro, I feel better. Spiro Didis, lifetime record, courtesy of Joey Yonkers. Doing jet games, one up, nine down. Oh my so the goodness! Jets, so the wow. Jets, they lose ninety percent of the time when Spiro does the game. And so you said this when we, we were doing the podcast the other day when we were out at your place. Right. I couldn't believe it, but Joey and Yonka is giving us a little research uh, on that. Joey's one and nine on the Spiro Adidas games. And oh my so I'm gonna, this is a little tip, and thank God he's not doing the game this week. Thank God it's Greg Gobble. Let me tell you right now, little tip for everybody. You, you, you know, you, you put a jet game on maybe five minutes before you see Spiro's doing the game. Have it the other team. Book, get Hammer. to your bookie quick. Now, hold on. Get to your bookie quick. And usually they're blowouts. Yeah, yeah. Usually. Just saying. I will keep this in mind if we have any other Spiro Adidas games. Thank God, Greg Gubble. I Moving feel better. Forward. You tell me Greg Gubble's doing the game. That makes you feel a little better. Yeah, That's that better. scares me a little bit. All right, uh, Joe, game number two. I feel better. Okay. It's game number two. Game number two, I'm taking the New Orleans Saints in Philadelphia against the Eagles. I'm getting two points. The Eagles have not won a game at home all year. They, 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 all four of their wins are on the road. They had an impressive win last week against Denver. I, you know, in Denver, to me, Philly's been a lot better than I thought they would be. Jalen Hurts has not played terrible. This head coach, Sirianni, seems like he's with Eddie Gets his name. Is doing, seems to be doing a pretty decent job. But New Orleans is a weird team. I mean, they, look, it, the kicker last week in Tennessee misses two extra points. 
They got completely hosed on a brutal roughing the passer penalty uh, against Tannehill that negated an interception in the end zone. Uh, this could have been a totally different game. Simeon has not played poorly for them. He really hasn't. Um, New Orleans is weird. You know, they go up to New England and they, and they win. They beat Tampa Bay, you know, but they lose at home to the Giants. You know, you just don't know, you know, what you get. And that was a tough game they lost last week. You just don't know what you get. They lose to the Falcons. You, don't, you, you know, obviously that's a rivalry game. You never know what you're getting from the Saints. I know Kamara's, I don't think he practiced, so who knows if he's playing or not. Mark Ingram's uh, played a big role last week, but they got a good defense. I, I just think, you know, you get two. It's kind of one of those weird lines that's kind of, you know, begging you to take the Eagles. Uh, I like the Saints winning this game outright, and I'm getting two. So give me New Orleans with game two. I know I'm going to find my way onto your shit list and maybe your son's shit list with this pick, but so be it. Going heads up. I like the okay. Philadelphia now, Eagles I got you. here now, in this My one matchup. win last week, by the way, was a heads up. I know you did. Packers. Your only win my last only week win was a heads was up Green Bay shoving it in my right. face. All and right. I had to sit through four quarters of Russell Wilson getting shut out. Well, I'm going to get a little revenge in this game, I think. Okay. Because I think Philadelphia is due to get something going at home. I don't like the fact that New Orleans is on the road. They got a Thanksgiving game coming up. In a couple of days. So they got that short week mm. on their minds. Yeah, I'm not. Who are they playing in that Thanksgiving? That who is Buffalo in the Sunday, in the oh, Thursday is that the night, night game? game. Buffalo. Oh, wow. Where's that game? In Buffalo? No, in the Dome, in New in Orleans. Dome. So I think I'll with that game States. looming and uncertainty with Kamara, the fact that Philly has found something on offense. They're a power run team. Hurts, mm -hmm. listen, he's limited as a passer, but he's realizing I have Devontae Smith one and one. I can go after teams. I can make things happen. I think he is kind of showing you the sort of progress and the sort of development that you're looking for, quite frankly. And I love the fact that this line opened at one and a half, which I thought was fishy with the Eagles being favored to begin with. Everyone's betting New Orleans, it seems like, and the line's going the other way. It's now up to two. I'm going to side with Vegas. I'm going to side with progression from the Eagles, mm -hmm. and I'm going to side with okay. Vegas. And I hope I one-up you here because you got me last week. I'm taking the Eagles, Landon Phil. All right, so there we go. So we go a little head-to-head uh, -head competition uh, in game two. All right, game three, I'm going with a team that has did, done me well all year long, and that's the Tennessee Titans. Uh, they're on a roll. They've won, what is it, six in a row? It's hard to believe that the last game they lost was to the Jets, and Derrick Henry was actually playing. They haven't lost since then. They're playing the, you know, maybe the worst. If the Jets are the worst team in the league and the Lions aren't the worst team in the league, then the Houston Texans are the worst team in the league. Uh, 10 points is not that big a number. The game is in Tennessee. Um, you know, they've won six in a row. I can't see them losing this game. And I know it's a divisional game, but, I mean, uh, Tennessee's going to really have to play a terrible game. To, they, they're not covered in number in my mind. They've been good to me all year. Give me the Titans laying the 10 at home against the Texans. Okay, my friend. You're going to take a big spread. I'm going to counter you with another big spread. Okay. And this team has been not exactly good to me all year. It's kind of been a roller coaster ride, and they're coming off a whooping. They got absolutely smoked by the New England Patriots last week. I love the Browns. I love the Browns to bounce back this week against the Detroit Lions. I know this Big is number. a monster, monster number. Detroit coming off that quote-unquote high against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Right. Detroit had every opportunity to win that game. Pittsburgh tried to hand them that game. They couldn't take it. 
I think they're getting the wrong team at the wrong time. I'm not ready to abandon hope on the Browns because a lot of teams are struggling with the New England Patriots. Now, am I concerned about Mayfield? Yes. Am I concerned about the fact that their offense is way too reliant on the big play? It is. But when you're going against the Lion defense, Joe, they ain't exactly the New England Patriots. The big plays will be there for the Browns. I think this is the ideal, perfect, get-right spot for the Browns. And if the Browns ain't getting right in this game, they ain't getting right at any point in 2021. So I'm going back to a well that I had a couple of weeks ago. It was good to me a few weeks ago, but most of the year it has not been. Cleveland Browns laying 11 and a half against the Detroit Lions. Yeah, Detroit, that was their game to win last, last week. There's no doubt about it. I watched a lot of the overtime. They had a chance to win it in overtime with a field goal. It wasn't even close. I mean, it was not even, I forget who the kicker is. I mean, it didn't even come close. Uh, the kick in his field goes about a 40-something yard field goal. And they were lucky because the tight end for Pittsburgh fumbled. They were driving again in the last minute of the overtime. And uh, the, the the tight end for Pittsburgh, uh, Ryan, Albert, Ryan Moots, whatever his Ryan name Moose, is. Penn State. Right, correct. Right, yes. right, right, right. Put the ball on the ground. Lions recovered, and that was the game. And that's how it wound up in a tie. So I, I, that's a good, I see that as a good pick by you. I like your pick. So we're going with two high spreads, and we'll see how that goes. But you know what? When you feel confident in a team that's just in the perfect spot, I'm okay laying 10 or 11. Like, if I had to lay 14, I'm probably not laying 14 with the Browns. The Browns should win that game by two touchdowns, in my opinion. They should. We'll see. The Browns are a little bit of a fraud team, but they should take care of business against the Lions. All right, my fourth pick, I'm going to – I'm going – and I'm taking the Seahawks at home against Arizona. I'm getting a point and a half. You know, I don't know if Murray's playing or not. And I know I know Arizona's – look, I mean, they, they've lost two of their last three games. They looked terrible last week. I mean, they, they, they really – last week they just – they stuck it off against Carolina. They were never in the game. They made Cam Newton look like it was, you know, six, seven years ago. Um, McCoy came down to earth after a solid win, the, you know, the week before when he looked so good. Uh, I, You know, who knows? I, I mean, is Murray playing? Is Hopkins playing? Even if they are. Seattle's got – Seattle's – they got one win at home. And that was against Jacksonville. That was, that was an embarrassment last week, getting shut out by the Packers. And the Packers are good. They may have the best defense in the league. They got one of them. There's no doubt about it. They're a top team. They're an elite team. But I got to Wilson's back. He was rusty last week. He's got an extra week now. And I think Arizona might be in for a little tailspin here. I still not am 100, 100% sold on them, whether Murray plays or not. And look, if Seattle's going to make any kind of run to get, you know, they're three and six, any kind of run to get into a playoff position, they got to win this game at home against Arizona. So I'm taking them. I'm getting a point and a half. You know, I don't love this Seahawks team. They're not the Seahawks by any means of, of years gone by. But, you know, a healthier Russell Wilson, you know, weak removed now back from his injury, you know, at home, I'm taking a shot with the Seahawks plus a point and a half against Arizona. I thought long and hard about going back to the well with Seattle. And I agree with everything you just said. I like them this week. The reason I can't do it, Joe, Arizona has burned me so many times yeah. no, this year. I know. Me too. That, like, I, I kind of have, like, PTSD. Like, I think about that Niner game where we got burned. We both had San Francisco a few weeks ago, and I'm just like, I can't do it. I'm sorry. I can't do it. Right, so, I'm right, gonna, right. I, I like your pick. I agree with your pick, but I'm going to stay away from that game. I'm going to pick the marquee game of the day. I think the best game of the day, hands down, is Dallas going into Kansas City. And... I think the narrative for a lot of people after what they saw against Vegas is that Kansas City is back and that Kansas City is a top dog and that they're going to be well on their way in the AFC. 
They might be, but not so fast. That defense still stinks. The Dallas Cowboys are legit. They smoked the Atlanta Falcons last week. Smoked them every which way. And their offense is humming. They can run the football. Dak Prescott now has CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper, and he has Michael Gallup back in the mix. And I think the Cowboys, a few days before Thanksgiving, are going to use this game as kind of a launch point. Hey, guess what? We're one of the best teams, if not the best team in all football, and we're going to show you against a team that's been a power over the last couple of years. I'm getting two and a half points. I think Dallas is flat out better. I think they're going to show you they're flat out better. And Kansas City probably wins this division, but I think they have a little bit of a setback here. I'm all over the Cowboys plus two and a half. Well, you'll be happy to know that we now go head to head again because here we I go. Love, I like it. I so you were either going to gain some ground, my friend, or I'm going to grow I, this lead. I like I this. I love, I love the Chiefs here. I, I really do. I think, I think just what you said. The Chiefs are ready to take off. Dallas, this game, it, it, it's it's not that big a deal. Dallas is winning this division. Yeah, they looked tremendous last week. They smoked Atlanta, and then the week before, they got smoked at home by Denver. I, I you know, Dallas is a weird. Like I said. There's no doubt they're winning the division. I wonder, like you mentioned, they got to play. They got a quick turnaround to play at home again on Thanksgiving. I think that I think the Chiefs have been able to survive, and now they have finally righted the ship. You know, they got a very lackluster win. They were fortunate to beat the Giants on Monday night. They were fortunate to beat Green Bay because Rodgers didn't play two weeks ago. Very fortunate. Even with Rodgers not playing, they were fortunate to get out of that game with a win. A lot of mistakes in that game, missed field goals, uh, muff punt by the Packers really doomed them in that game. And last week, the, the, the Chiefs got off the snide. Mahomes got back to being Mahomes. They laid the wood to their bitter rival, the Raiders. I think they're ready to go, bro. I think, I think they're ready to take off and take control of this division. And I just think that Dallas is too shaky a team. I'm only laying two and a half. It's in Kansas City. I like the Chiefs here. I mean, field goal wins it for me. I think it'll be probably be a close game, uh, but maybe not. Maybe the Chiefs win this game by double digits because you don't know what you're getting from the Cowboys. I don't know where their head's at all the time. Give me the Chiefs laying the uh, two and a half at home against the Cowboys. I love it. First time in old school, new school. There we have go. two heads up picks. Like that, and right? we really, let's be honest, we have three heads up picks with me taking my team and yes. you're clearly rooting yeah. against my well, third pick. So we might as well I, I, have yeah, three heads up picks pick. this week. Believe me, I'm not, I'm believe me right now, I'm not running to the uh hurry enough to put my money down on the Jets. So let me go bet the money line. You know what I mean? But nevertheless, so I believe me, I get it, bro. I think you're gonna like my final pick here. Yeah. I do. I love the Pittsburgh Steelers getting six and a half points yeah, against no, the I Los like Angeles Chargers. I, I love them. about them long and hard. Let me long give you let hard. me give you a little nugget, Joe. Since the last 21 games have been played with the Pittsburgh Steelers being an underdog. They are 16, 4, and 1 yeah, against I the number. You. The no, Steelers are one of those teams. Yeah, you don't yeah. take them when they're a big favorite, but you capitalize and you seize when they're an underdog. And I know there are some injury questions for Pittsburgh going into this game. Ben, is he off the COVID list? I think he's going to play. But then TJ Watt, his status right, is uncertain. Right, Mika right. Fitzpatrick, his status is uncertain. Claypool is probably going to be back. But when Mike Tomlin is in this sort of games, when nobody's giving him a chance and he's in prime time, that's when he and his teams are the most dangerous. And the dirty little secret, the Chargers are vastly overrated. They are vastly. not a good defensive team. And let's not lose sight of the fact everybody kisses his ass 
But Herbert, over the last five games, has been pedestrian. He has not exactly knocked anybody's socks off with the exception of that Eagle game. Played badly against New England. Had another bad game that I'm, that's eluding me right now. Was not good last week. And I was all over that with the Minnesota Vikings. I don't think the Chargers are good enough to be laying six and a half. Yeah. And again, you know, at it's least hard. half, no doubt. if no not doubt two thirds it. of that crowd will be waving those waving terrible, terrible towels, bro. No so I am, you pick. know what? Great pick. Not Great only pick. am I going to play the Steelers plus Great six pick. and a half. You're putting big money. You're going money line. I might even sprinkle on the money line. I might. What do you think? What do you think? What is the, you, you probably know. What is the money line? I'm going to tell you right now. Yeah, I have not looked it out, at bro. it. It may not be out for this reason. Because the uncertainty ben, don't know with the injuries. Correct. In the COVID stuff. That's right. your, now let me throw in this disclaimer. I don't love this game on a money line standpoint if Mason Rudolph's the quarterback. I don't. But the money line for the Steelers, no, not out yet. Not out yet. So I might be getting, listen, from a six and a half, that number may go way down. You better lock that in now if you can get it. Because if Pittsburgh has some guys come back, you may not get six and a half. Right, right. Yeah, no, I look, I like the Steelers a lot. You're right, 100% right about the Steelers. You're getting points with them. They're never bad. You know, Pittsburgh, it's a myth. They started out the year, they, they, they won that opening game in Buffalo, shot Buffalo, then they lost three games in a row. Everybody's starting to, the demise of the Steelers. Well, you know what? They haven't lost since. I know they tied the Lions last week. I understand that. But, you know, they're one and three. Now they're five, four and one, and they're right in the mix in their division, and they haven't even played the Rangers yet. So I, I don't, you know, I, I, I never dismissed the Pittsburgh Steelers ever. Well, especially when you root for franchises like ours, where well, you are envious, well, you are jealous they are the of the idea that they are good every single year. Every year. Their bad year is when they go 9-7 and seven and eight miss and the playoffs. 8-8. Eight eight. It's an awful uh, year in Steel Land. Must be nice. Eight, eight that often. Very rarely. Very rarely. The great Joe Beningo, my friend, I love you. You know I'd wish you luck, Tremendous. but I'd be lying Tremendous to you. Job. I'd be Tremendous lying job. to you. Again, I appreciate what you did last week. It was a great job by you. We will chat Thank next you. week. Happy early taping because of the Thanksgiving holiday, but happy Thanksgiving to you and the great Terry. All right. All right. Now let me now now early taping. We're gonna when will we do this? Wednesday. Wednesday. We'll do Wednesday so we can include the Thanksgiving games in there. That's right. Look at so you we'll scheduling. I love that you are scheduling on the fly. I'm proud of you for this. Now are you now are you playing? Are you playing golf? I played today. Play actually pretty good today. Pretty oh, good you got today. a gorgeous day to play golf. What a day! Oh, what gorgeous. A day. I'm up. jealous. I was, looking at, I was looking at wedding venues. We're trying to get our uh, pedal to the metal a little bit. Wow. You got so to tell her. I mean, you have wedding venues, but how many now, days listen, are you going to get like You this? know it's the deal. November, bro. I'm going to be in Florida for a week and a half. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. And I to be honest, yeah, that's right. You're I'm right. going for a lesson tomorrow to cleanse. So right. okay. I, I need the cleansing, I to no, be No, but honest. I forgot that you – when is that Dolphin Giant game? When is that, two weeks? Uh, the week after Thanksgiving. Buckle up, baby. You'll get to chat with me in Florida. Who would have thunk it? Jastrzemski in Florida and Beningo still in New Jersey. That is right. Who right. had the odds on that when you retired? Not many. Be, well, I mean, you know, I'm still, uh, you're only going down for a week. It's not like you're going down That's forever. That's also true. That yeah, is also so, true. The great yeah, Joe Love you, buddy. All right, let me go. Let all me right. go, bro. God bless all the love. By the way, Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, I, well, I'm wearing my Michigan State thing here. You give them any shot against the Buckeyes? No. Yeah. And and Buck and 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 Ohio State quarter twenty and a half. They're favored by something like that. They They're a talk. monster. They are a monster, monster, monster favorite. The game that I'm going to tell you to bet. Here's my Go. college play. Go ahead, I don't hear it. Utah 
will oh, take down the really? Oregon Ducks. Utah, Oregon? Yes. Against Oregon? And Utah's favorite in that Utah's game. Utah's favorite in that game. Utah will take down the Oregon Ducks. All right. And take them right out of the right out of the playoff. Bingo. They're out. Open, it open to, the door for Cincinnati, for Cincinnati. potentially. Right. right. Potentially. Oh, we'll Until see. Alabama beats Georgia and then that goes out the window. Yeah. Well, we'll see if that happens. We right will. now, Georgia would be the favorite in that game. Alabama's defense is not what it's been in years. No, far. Alabama period yeah. is not what they've been. They're not and as I good. I think Auburn. I think Auburn, they play Arkansas this week. Here's I don't know the problem with Auburn. Nick's is probably done. That's is a big loss for Auburn. So if he's yeah. done, I actually thought Auburn would be live in that game two or three weeks ago. Now I'm not so sure about that. You give Arkansas any kind of a competitive game against Alabama? I know the games in Tuscaloosa. You give them any kind of competitive game? No chance to win. Maybe they they could cover. They're not terrible. They're not bad. Arkansas. No, I mean bad. they're in the top twenty-five. I mean they're right. in the SEC, so they're not a bad team. Right. But no, I do not think that. Do I think they'll be in the game the way LSU is in the game? No, I do not. Okay. I do not because I think it's crunch time for Bama, and everybody knows it. It's crunch time. And and, and the SEC can't be playing these these you know uh, little sisters of the poor teams, uh, you know, in, in November. I mean, you can't be doing that. I mean, why why do they do that all the time? Well, at least you have Alabama, Arkansas this week. At least no, you no, have you that got, before the you got Iron Bowl. A couple Ball. games. You got a couple games. I forget what the, what the other game is. Another decent game. I can't forget what it is in the SEC. But uh, but I mean, you know, I think Ole Miss is playing. I don't know. Slip I'm blanking on it to be honest. Like that. Who the, who knows? I hate when they do that. Play those games early in the year, please. Not I'm telling you, get ready though, Joe. Next weekend is going to be great. You're going to have to play golf in the morning. Michigan, Ohio State's going to be great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State is going right. to be. There's going to be a right. lot of good college right. football that Saturday after Thanksgiving. And then the following week, I'm going to be in Florida. I got to make sure I golf early because all the title games are right. that day on and that what Saturday. Day is the, SEC the SEC title game is Saturday night? Two Saturdays. No, I think it's 3.30. I think it's 3.30. Oh, really? Yes. Well, that's better. I like that better. I think so what's the night game? So what's the... Uh, I think the Big, Big 10, 10 and the ACC, they'll put at night. Right. They'll put right. Big 12 at noon. They'll go SEC at 3.30 and Ohio then they'll State, put the other two Ohio games State, at night. Ohio State, Wisconsin, right? Probably. 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 Wisconsin's playing well right and now. And Ohio, Ohio listen, Ohio State is winning the big time. You don't think Michigan's got any shot again? Probably not. They never beat them. Until I see them beat them, you know, I, I I can't. Maybe they'll be more competitive this year in Michigan, but until I see them beat them, how can I expect them to win? I don't love Ohio State's defense either. Well, it's not great, but they score you a ton of points. points on them. They're going to score 70 points, you know. You think Michigan's so? got two top 10 DNs that could wreck the game. That could be it. That could be it. That's their path to winning. Interesting. We'll talk about it. We'll talk. The great Joe B. Bro, Next all week. the love, bro. All bro. of it. See you, buddy. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. So we go from Joe B to the great Arthur Caesar, our Vegas guru. Check him out. Superbook, Westgate, all that good stuff. We're getting ready for week 11. Art, it's good to have you back on the show. And I'm getting a sense New England, big favorite tonight. Definitely a chalky favorite. Did you guys get cleaned out in this game or no? Definitely a chalky favorite. You know, we had that as a look ahead line is minus four, went to six, went to six and a half. It got to seven at some point. 
and then closed at six and a half. You know, it, it was weird. We had about three fourths of the tickets were on New England, but only like fifty five percent of the money was on New England. So not crazy. New England obviously will be rolled into the weekend with all the teasers and all the money lines. So that's still alive, but not a huge result for us. Um, as far as the trend of the underdogs covering like crazy, it's been the theme of this NFL season. We've seen it a ton over the last couple of weeks. Do you think that is about to change or are you of the mindset that home field maybe not being as valuable, maybe the idea of, you know, the travel being better, uh, the road fans traveling places, it being this sort of, you know, crazy phenomenon that is the NFL. Where do you stand on the rest of this year? Are you ready to like boldly say that we're going to see these underdogs continue to have success or are we getting some regression in the mean? It's a tough call. I think when you're when you see dogs basically covering 60% of the time, that's an astronomical number. And the funny thing about these dogs too is not only are they covering, but some of these double digit dogs are outright winning the games, which is also another, you know, thing that you didn't really see a lot. I'm with you. I think all all these things that you said, the travel is better. I don't think home field even matters anymore. When we were growing up, teams that were really good, they won at home, man. They dominated at home. They took care of business at home. I don't think the home field matters anymore. There are some teams that have no home field advantage, like the Chargers. It's basically all road fans. So even Vegas a little bit. We get a lot of the road teams coming here. It was all cheap people last weekend in the sports book. So I don't know if home field matters anymore. I think it might turn a little bit, but we're probably still going to finish the season with dogs covering 55, 56% of the time. I could see it. All right, buddy. Week 11. Give me the sucker bet of the week. Wow. There's a couple out there, but I I think the one that I kind of zeroed in on because it's been nothing but money on this team. I think the Panthers are a sucker bet. I think when we opened that number, it was basically one and a half, two. It's now gone to three and a half. Once again, a lot of people are going to see what they saw last week. Carolina looked really good. Even though Washington looked good, and they obviously had a huge win at home. I I don't know. Who's the Panthers quarterback? Is it going to be a lot of Cam Newton this week? I I don't know. That game's got a field goal written all over it. So if you're getting Washington with three and a half, I think the Panthers are a sucker bet. And I think one that's really interesting that no one's going to bet on, but I think the Titans laying the 10 might be a little bit of a sucker bet. I think, obviously, the Texans are no good. But I don't know. The Titans, at some point, they're offensively challenged. I just think 10's too much. So that's kind of a sucker bet. But I think the Panthers is the biggest one. All right, Art. Now it's time for me to give the picks of Joe Beningo. And, of course, yours truly. And Joe is taking Tennessee as one of his picks. He also has Jacksonville plus the points. He's got New Orleans plus two. He's got Seattle plus one and a half. He's got Kansas City minus two and a half. And full disclosure, Arthur Caesar, Joe and I are heads up in two games this week. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, Tennessee, I just said, I think it's a little bit of a sucker. I think it's too big of a line. Uh, I, I don't know. They'll probably obviously win the game, but... I could see the Texans staying in the game, maybe getting a backdoor cover. I'm with him on Jacksonville. I think that's an overreaction on what the 49ers did Sunday night. People always look at the last thing. They're going to be on a short week. I know Jacksonville's not great, but that line shouldn't be six, six and a half. And also Shanahan, I've talked about it on the show. He's a terrible favorite as a coach. 
So I actually like Jacksonville. New Orleans is a tough game. That's a that's a real toss-up game. New Orleans has a really good defense. The Eagles are interesting. The Eagles have been a really sharp play for all of our sharper, wise guy players. They've been on them week after week, and the line has indicated that as well. So Joe's, you know, against the sharp players on that one. Seattle, I can't get there. Seattle right now is our biggest liability. Cardinals, it's all Cardinal money. That look-ahead line with Seattle minus one and a half, it's totally flipped. If Murray plays and Hopkins plays, I can't get with him on that. And Kansas City is an interesting one. Game opened as a pick After they bury the Raiders on Sunday night, it goes to two and a half. These are teams that both take money, right? Kansas City always gets money. Dallas always gets money. They're opposites on the spread. Cowboys are eight and one ATS. Chiefs are three and seven ATS. That's a toss-up game for me. I like two of his picks. Don't don't like two of his picks. And the Kansas City one, I can't figure that one. Well, buddy, I'm on Dallas plus two and a half. I'm on Philly. I'm riding with the Sharps on that game. I can't believe I'm going back to the well, but I'm on the Eagles lane too. The other three I like. I like my boys against the Jets. Flacco, a quarterback. They shut him out last year 24 to nothing, and I think the Dolphins have found a little something here. So I'm laying the three with Miami, and then I love the Brownies to lay the lumber against the Lions. I think it's a terrible spot for the Lions. I, I think if the Browns can't show up and smoke a team this week, it's never happening all year. And then the other one I like, Art, I like Pittsburgh plus the points against the Chargers. I think that'll be a partisan stealer crowd. I know there's uncertainty with Ben. I know there's uncertainty with a couple of guys on that defense. The Chargers have been shaky. They're a terrible big favorite. And Tomlin, his money is an underdog. So I'm on Pitt, Miami, Dallas, Cleveland, and Philly. Your thoughts on the picks? Well, obviously the other three that we didn't touch on. I'm with you. I, how could you back Joe Flacco? I, you just can't. There's no way you can do it. I understand Miami's been bad. Maybe they found something when they played Thursday night. The defense looked great. It really did. If they play even three quarters of what they played in the the, uh, Baltimore game, they're going to kill the Jets. I'm with you on Pittsburgh. I think that's too big of a line. And there's a couple of things that would scare me if I wanted to back the Chargers. We talked about this home field. That's going to be the, that's going to be all Steeler fans. You know that tech game is going to have, 80, 90% 80, 90% Steeler fans. I could see them really controlling the game with Najee. Even if Ben doesn't play, their defense is good enough. Now, they do have some injury concerns. Watts banged up. It's Patrick's banged up. So a little bit of injury concerns there, but that's too big of a number. And I haven't been a fan of the Browns. I haven't been a believer in them. I know you've backed them a couple of times this year. I'm with you. If they can't rise up against the Lions, who might not even have their quarterback this week, and basically, you know, the old name the score, 34-10. If they can't do that, you know, this whole regime's kind of have to go a little bit. I took you last week. I know you didn't like that I took you because every time I take anyone, it's just the other way. I'm taking you again this week. I like your picks better. I think the Pittsburgh pick is a strong pick and you're going against Flacco. And I think the two games you're going with against Joe, I slightly like your games better, especially Philly. Um... At least last week, I beat Joe out. So you like my picks, I beat Joe <laughs> ah, out. Go. But the issue is I didn't have a winning week. Now, we got to get you, my friend, yeah. back to winning ways. You lost both legs of the tees, which to me is the way to do it. I don't yep. want to win one and lose one because that does me a whole lot of nothing. <laughs> if I yep. lose both, at least I go down and crash and burn. The Jets in Vegas, that was crash and burn, my man. 
So we go, Evan, the floor is yours. What do we got? Yeah, last week was tough. I'm with you. You know, I didn't even get to run into the Sunday night games. The Jets was just an utter disaster. I'm sitting at four and six. The teasers are four and four, so I still feel good about the teasers. Last week was just a really bad one. A game that we didn't touch on in a game that is actually a really important game, Colts at Bills. That's a really big game in the AFC. We've talked about it numerous times on the show. I think the Colts are better than what they indicate. I'm going with a six-point tease. Colts are getting seven. I'm going to tease them up to 13. I think the Colts are going to play well in the game. I think the Colts will be in the game. They even have a shot to win the game. This is a playoff rematch of last year. Obviously, different circumstances, different quarterbacks. So give me the Colts plus 13. And even though I said I was kind of tossed up on the game, I'm going to take Dallas. I think Dallas with the eight and a half, it's just too many points, especially when the game was opened as a pick. When you open a road team as a pick, we as bookmakers are basically saying we think the road team is better. So now that I get to flip it to eight and a half, I like that. So Cowboys plus eight and a half, Colts plus 13, two teams, six point teaser. Or before we say goodbye, the big game in college football this weekend is Utah and Oregon. I love Utah this week. I love them. The fact that they have made Utah a favorite in this game, and I'm seeing the line at minus three, that's all I need to know. Public is in on Oregon. Money is in on Utah. Do you love and do you endorse my best bet for the college football slate? JJ, that's why you are you. You know what you're talking about. You're a sharp player. Even though I that haven't is, had sharp results uh, the I'm last t- couple I'm of telling days, you, but that's listen, neither here nor there. You know? I'm telling you right now, that game in college football is the classic pros versus Joes. Every wise guy sharp better is going to take Utah. That's why we actually have it at three and a half. It's moved from three to three and a half. Everyone is going to look at Oregon as the number three team in the country and just say, I can get three, three and a half. They're going to take shots on the money line. I even think a nice little play is just take Utah on the money line, you know, a little two-team money line, pair it with another college game you like, or maybe an NFL game you like, and get, you know, plus 150 if you combine two games. I'm with you. I think this is where Oregon runs out of steam. Very hard to play in Utah. I think Utah will take care of business, so I like where you're at that game. Art the Caesar, Superbook, Westgate, joins us each and every football Friday. Let's cash, baby, with big Dallas Cowboys fans this week. And Art, we will chat earlier in the week, so that way we have the Thanksgiving games covered. All right, my man? Absolutely, JJ. Sounds good. Yeah, let's have a winning week, my man. Like the sound of that. That's Arthur Caesar, and Jeff Money is also licking his wounds after what happened last week. Jeff Money had a very, very tough week. It's amazing. I got two and three. I had the best week of the bunch. Let's hear his super contest plays. What's up, JJ? Jeff Money here with a handicapper. Picks is going to be for week number 11. Time flies. All right. As far as my record-wise, my money plays, I finally took a loss last week. I'm 7-3 and three on the year. Uh, as far as my for the week, I was 1-4 in, in the Super Contest plays. First bad week of Super Contest plays. I'm 25-24-1. And, and as far as our head-to-head matchups, I was 0-1 against you. So I'm 10-8 and eight against you on the year. But in the Super Contest matchups, Against each other, um, seven and two against you. Family plays were one and one, we're seven and seven, but family played in the super contest. We were 0 and one, we're three and four, under 500 on the year. We got to pick that up like last year. We were excellent. All right. As far as this week, my five plays, game no one, my money play, I'm going to go with away team. I'm going to go with the Green Bay Packers minus the one and a half over the Vikings. 
Now, the Packers are 6-1 and one against the spread as a favorite. They're also 5-0 and oh against the spread on the road. So give me the Packers in game number one is my money play of the week. Game number two, I'm going to go with my Cowboys plus the two and a half on the road over the Chiefs. Now, the Cowboys are 3-0 and oh against the spread as an underdog. And on the other hand, the Chiefs are 3-7 and seven against the spread as a favorite. So game number three, I'm going with the Panthers minus the three over Washington. Now, Panthers are 2-0 and oh against the spread as a favorite of three and a half to nine and a half. And on the reverse side, Washington is one and four against the spread as an underdog between three and a half and nine and a half. Game number four, I'm going to take the LA Chargers minus the six and a half at home versus the Steelers. Now the LA Chargers, they're two and one against the spread against winning teams. We'll leave it at that. And finally, my final game on Monday night, I'm going to go with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers minus the ten and a half over the New York Giants. That's going to be my play. The Buccaneers are three and zero against the spread as a favorite at home or 10 or more points of a favorite. All right, J.J., again, my five plays. Money play this week, I'm going to go with the Green Bay Packers minus the one and a half. I'm going to take the Dallas Cowboys plus the two and a half. Going to go with the Carolina Panthers minus the three. Going to go with the L.A. Chargers minus the six and a half. And finally, going to take the Tampa Bay Buccaneers minus the ten and a half. Now, everyone can always follow my daily plays on Twitter at Jeff Money. Okay, J.J., I'm out of here. Let's go. Hopefully we got some family plays, buddy. Well, Jeff Money, we do have a family play. You and I heads up with Beningo in the Cowboy Chief game, the marquee game of Week 11. We are heads up, though, when it comes to the Steelers and the L.A. Chargers. You know, I'm proud of myself for showing restraint on not betting the Minnesota Vikings, but the Packers have just burned me so many times this year. The Packers and the Cardinals. I think it are two teams that have done me the most dirty. The Packers and the Cardinals. You can throw the Titans on that list, though. So I, I, I'm going to have a whole lot of hesitation fading those teams, especially with Green Bay only laying a point and a half. I actually lean Minnesota in the game, but I'm not playing it. Nope, nope. Been there, done that. So before we say goodbye, it is a week. 11 run through with the fantasy guru, our pal Jason Katz from the Pro Football Network. And no, he is not uh, dating Kim Kardashian, to my knowledge. Uh, there's another Staten Island resident who has decided to go down that road. So, you know, Jason, you never know. I might find you in page six these days. Just saying, bro. Just saying. I mean, I wish, but uh, that's that's not me, unfortunately. No, me neither, for that matter. I mean, listen, I, I, I thought I could maybe copyright the King of Staten Island, but, you know, Pete Davidson had to have other plans. Um. On a much happier note, because I've been getting smoked the last couple weeks and giving out picks, how about the New England Patriots defense from a fantasy perspective? Fair to say, they ended up being one of those top three, one of those top five fantasy units, bro. They continue to be the gift that keeps on giving. This feels like a repeat of, I think it was three years ago, the year before Kyler Murray was drafted, where the go-to move every week for defense was to just stream against Josh Rosen. And it's kind of uh, coincidental that the move now is to stream against the team with Josh Rosen, but not because of Josh Rosen, because Matt Ryan is just, it is over for him. Oh, he looks completely cooked and clearly not having Calvin Ridley has been a problem and it has been an issue because he doesn't have that additional safety valve. You go up against New England, you know they're taking away what you do best, which means Kyle Pitts was not going to have much of a role in this game. That means you need somebody to go and step up. Atlanta didn't have that. They couldn't win at the line of scrimmage. The quarterback looked a zillion years old. And what else is new? New England ends up winning another game. Okay. Before we get to our matchups of the week and all that other mumbo-jumbo, 
couple of games that I'm monitoring. Pittsburgh, they got a lot of issues, COVID-related, injury-related. Forget about the defense. Roethlisberger, Claypool. You think we see both of those guys Sunday? I think we see Chase Claypool. I don't think we see Ben Roethlisberger. He tested positive for COVID on Saturday. Uh, he is vaccinated, so all he's got to do is record back-to-back negative tests. But he needs to be symptom-free, and we know he was experiencing symptoms Sunday morning, which means that the earliest he became asymptomatic would be Monday. That is a tough turnaround in just what would be five or six days. We have yet to see a single player test positive on a, on a Monday and play the following Sunday. So if Roethlisberger had symptoms on Monday, then I mean, we don't know if that's the case, but if he did, then there'd be no shot he plays Sunday. But we'll, we'll find out Saturday. The other question I have for you, and I hate the move for the Jets. I think it's asinine. I think it makes absolutely no sense. From a fantasy perspective, for the likes of Davis and Elijah Moore and Michael Carter, do you like them more with Joe Flacco at quarterback? Probably. I don't understand why a team going nowhere this season with a first-year head coach and a young quarterback, two young quarterbacks, wouldn't at least want to see what they've got in either Mike White or Zach Wilson. There is no reason to start Joe Flacco. But with Joe Flacco under center, he's at least a competent veteran. And I don't think he'll see the need to throw to his running backs over and over again like Mike White's done, which could be good for Corey Davis, especially with the Jets having some favorable matchups upcoming starting this week against the Dolphins. Okay, buddy. You speak of matchups. You know I own Ryan Tannehill and Mr. Tua as my quarterbacks in my old work league. And you've been my liaison with many of these questions. So before, I think both matchups are great, quite frankly. I think Tannehill against the Texans is great. I think Tua against the Jets is great. For your quarterback must play, is it going to end up being one of my dudes? It is. Nice. Okay, now I got to figure out which one it is. So the floor is yours for that. I do like Tua this week a lot. He is one of these top streamers, but uh, this guy is on most rosters. If he's out there, he's also a top streamer. Ryan Tannehill is my guy. Normally, you would fade Tannehill against the Texans despite the favorable matchup because it would just be a Derrick Henry smash game. Without Henry, I love Tannehill. The Texans allow the eighth most fantasy points to quarterbacks. The Titans should score at least three or four touchdowns in this game, and hopefully Adrian Peterson doesn't fall into the end zone for all of them. We like Tannehill this week. We certainly like the sound of that. And I'll probably go with Tannehill because that way, if Tua goes off against the Jets, I'm going to enjoy it anyway. It's kind of like the emotional hedge involving fantasy. So I'll go with my old quarterback from that perspective. Who is the quarterback we were avoiding? I'm going to avoid Carson Wentz. I know this kind of feels like reverse point chasing, but regardless of how Wentz played last week, I wasn't going to like him this week. The Bills have allowed the fewest fantasy points to quarterbacks this season. They're lost to the Jaguars. It kind of feels like it served as a wake-up call as many of the top teams that lost to teams they shouldn't have lost to have experienced. The Bills are not going to get complacent after their dominant win last week. They know what it feels like to lose the game. They shouldn't lose. I think they're going to give Wentz a real difficult time this week. Let's get to running back. And I, I say it every week, Jason. It seems even more stressful now. Like Aaron Jones goes down. Other guys are going down. You're like scrambling to find people who can actually play and can actually give you points. So this piece of advice is becoming more and more important with each passing week. So what do we got? I know some of the people need much more fringe players than what I'm offering here. But uh, Mark Ingram, he started the season as a very fringe player. But after moving to New Orleans, he has become 
a weekly like fantasy RB three ish. And now without Kamara, uh, he's a high end RB two, arguably an RB one. Going back to the well on Ingram here, last week he played 85% of the snaps, which is a higher rate than Alvin Kamara played in both games since Ingram returned to New Orleans. He had 13 carries, saw seven targets, and 24.5% of targets against the Eagles go to the running back position. For as long as Kamara is out, which I think is going to be maybe one more week after this, I don't think it'll be much more than that, but while Kamara is out, Ingram will see a bigger workload than either of them would with both of them healthy. I like well, you got to figure, Jay, if they're not going to play Kamara Sunday, they're not going to play him Thursday against Buffalo. I mean, why would you? That's a very good point. On the short week, they might elect to rest him for one more week. Uh, my initial prediction when he got hurt was I thought it would be two to three weeks. We didn't see that anywhere. That's just my understanding of how these injuries kind of are by having done this a long time. Uh, missing Thursday's game would be a third week. It would give him another 10 days to recover, and then he'd be good to go. Let's get to the running back to avoid. Who is the matchup that kind of scares you the most this week? I'm, I'm doubling down on Antonio Gibson. It was bizarro week last week for the Bucks. You know, I saw a couple <laughs> of people giving you heat for that on Twitter. I mean, listen, you've been nailing them for the most part all week, all year. So you're allowed, you're allowed to mulligan every now and again. I got, the, I got it wrong because I got the game script wrong. But the reality is Gibson wasn't good last week. He had 24 carries, still had just 64 yards. He just happened to fall into the end zone twice because the football team was leading the entire game. Who saw that coming? That's why I had McKissick as the start and Gibson as the sit, because I expected negative game script. Well, I'm hoping that happens this week, and I actually get it right. Uh, the Panthers allow the fourth fewest fantasy points to running backs, so I think that uh, if they're trailing, the football team is trailing, we'll get more McKissick this week, and then Gibson won't have a chance to have another big game. At wide receiver, I'm hoping you're going to put my dude Jalen Waddle there, because I think he's going to have a monster game against the Jets. That secondary is absolutely putrid. Are we aligned here? We are, we are going with Jalen Waddle wow, this week. Wow, there we go. I had a feeling. I had a feeling you were going in that direction. Very, very proud of you for that choice. Very proud. Prior to last week, Waddle was coming off four consecutive games of at least eight targets. The combination of Jacoby Brissett, the short week, Ravens defense, it all contributed to Waddle's dud last week. This week, he gets a Jets defense that allows the 10th most fantasy points to wide receivers. Dolphins are still without Devontae Parker. They're still without Will Fuller. I think Waddle is set for another high-target game. I mean, when Tua plays, he throws in the ball eight to nine, eight to ten times a game. And you know what stinks about Waddle, Jason? Because of the fact that the Dolphin offensive line is as inept as it is on a weekly basis, you don't get to see him stretch the field. And he's really kind of turned into a possession receiver. But you're playing in a half PPR league and he ends up getting eight for 90. He'll take it. Yeah, Waddle was a, a deep downfield threat in college and they just haven't used him like that. But part of that is the offensive line. Part of that is Tua doesn't really have a great deep ball. But regardless, you don't care for fantasy as long as he's getting those targets and catching those passes. Uh, the other way. Where are we going the other way? Um, I've got to finally put Mike Williams on here after all these weeks. Of well, what has happened to Mike Williams? I mean, the guy was a beast for three or four weeks, and now he's in the witness protection program. He's been awful. I'll tell you what happened to Mike Williams. This is who he is. It's who he's always been. He's been in the league since, what, 2017? And he was never a consistent producer. All he was was a random contested catch specialist that occasionally scored a touchdown. And then for four out of the first five games of this season, he was this elite megastar. Well, what is more likely? Those four games are who he really is or the rest of his career? Turns out it's the rest of his career. Yet I keep seeing him described as like a, a volatile wide receiver two or, a, or lower to wide receiver three. He's a random wide receiver four at best. The Steelers may be an average pass defense, but the Chargers' offenses look broken, and if Ben Roethlisberger can't play, 
we're going to get another low-scoring, slow, ugly affair where the Steelers are just trying to, to run the ball and keep the ball away from Justin Herbert. I just I don't see how you can start Mike Williams until he shows you that he deserves to be started. Jason, well done. And I know you are giddy for your Cowboys and the Kansas City Chiefs in what is hands down the best game of the week. And I think from a fantasy perspective, you're probably drooling over that one, right, buddy? You know, I am, but I've been drooling over games. We've been talking about shootouts for the past three or four weeks, and we just never get them. Where is the offense, the NFL? Give me a 35-31 game, please. Uh, I think you get one on Sunday. Uh, I think you will get your wish with those two teams. I do. Give Give me a win also, though. Well, uh, you and me both, consider I'm on the Cowboys plus two and a half. You and me both. All right, Jason. Uh, we will chat on Wednesday next week before the Thanksgiving holidays. So uh, early start. I hope you're ready. Okay, buddy? Oh, I can give some Thanksgiving previews. That'll be a lot of fun. I look forward to that. Happy Thanksgiving, buddy. You too. That's Jason Katz. Fun show. Loaded show. And I know Jeff Fenn's going to be thrilled. Joe Flacco is a quarterback. Hopefully, I'm thrilled. Someday at like 430 that Joe Flacco is a quarterback. Fellas, outstanding job. Couple of reminders. Sunday, we're back with our pod after all the football. I think it's going to be a great day. Monday, we got our show at Catch in Astoria. Then I'm back with Heifetz for Green Room afterwards. So a lot of content coming your way. Until then, JJ, signing off. Enjoy your weekend. Be good, everybody.